Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, the architect of the future. The future is now. It's futurist Thomas Fry on the Mandy Connell Show. How could you possibly know what the future holds? On KOA. I thought there was more, but it's not that intro. I am in the studio with Thomas Fry. Man, it's good to see your face, sir. Well, and now go. Okay, it's <laughs> absolutely great to be here. We haven't been in the same room in a long time. It's been quite a while, yes. It has been a while. What's happening in your futuristic world over there at the Da Vinci Institute? Oh, I just got back from a trip to South Korea. Um, went for a drive on a driverless car over there. Really? Um, Were you nervous? No, um, they, they're they limited in speed in Korea to no, nothing faster than 25 kilometers oh, per hour. Oh, good gravy. That's barely moving. <laughs> I can actually walk faster than that, I think. So were you on like a, I mean, because I, 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 I'm warming. You and I have talked about driverless cars now for a yeah. couple of years. And at first I was like, not just no, but hell no. But as the technology advances and and some of the quirks are worked out, I'm becoming more open to the idea because honestly, I hate driving. I don't, yeah. I don't like driving. I don't enjoy it. And people are horrible on the roads now, and, well, and I don't the, like it. The thing I want to get to is I want to get to the point where I can just jump in a driverless car, and tomorrow morning I wake up in Chicago or I wake up oh, in wow. Dallas. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, and then I can just play video games and watch movies or whatever I want to do the whole time and sleep, and then I just wake up in another city. That's what I'd love to have happen. What's, what do you think? Just guesstimate a timeline on that. What are we looking at, 20 years? No, I think it's before 2030. Really? Yeah. So you think the tech is moving that fast? Oh, I do, yeah. We, it, but I still, every once in a while, I hear these, you know, another Tesla got into an accident when it was on self-driving mode or something like that. I, I mean, I'm guessing that every time there is an accident, they're learning more and are able to make adjustments, but that, that stuff still unnerves me. Yeah, well, we, we're not hearing about how many times people crash their car. Yeah. Um, and that would be way more unnerving. The, the, the driverless cars just have to be better than people-driven cars, and it's actually a pretty low bar. <laughs> I mean, when you yeah, think of I it mean, from that way, um, it, it has to be better than that. And so if we can reduce the number of deaths, if we can reduce the number of accidents, we're, we're spending over a half a billion dollars a year, half a billion just repairing people after car accidents. Holy cow. Um, and a huge amounts of money uh, going into to, to fixing up people that get in these car accidents. And not only that, not only that, there's a lot of, um, I have friends who were in minor car accidents and have had now a lifetime of issues. You know, yeah. if your neck gets jacked up in a bad whiplash situation, that causes issues for years. That doesn't just go yeah. away. 
I, I made a mistake. It's actually half a trillion dollars a year, not half a billion. I was going to say that doesn't <laughs> seem that high. I think it's even more than that. Yeah, so in, in 2019, uh, 38,824 people died. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was 2020. Uh, so 38,824 people in the U.S. died in a car accident. Yeah. And and the, the ones that are injured is many multiples more than that. Yeah. Um, so so we have lots of problems with, with uh, uh, car accidents and car injuries and in just the driving. And the, the amount of time that it consumes for us just driving our car, what, what things could you be productive doing rather than driving a car? And I, I know a lot of people just like the freedom of being able to get on the road and go where they want to go. But I guarantee nobody feels that way in the middle of rush hour. I have a, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to a guy who was a billionaire once. I interviewed him many years ago. And, and I said, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about you? He said, people think I have a driver because I want to be fancy and have a guy open the door. I have a driver because that is two hours a day that I can work privately in my car and no one can bother me. And, yeah. you know, he's like, when you, when you have that much on your plate, um, that is very appealing to me. If I could drive to work every day reading, you know, more news articles or reading more stuff rather than paying attention and driving my car, that's actually one of the things that I find very appealing about that. So now you're telling me 2030. How, yeah. how long do you think before we electrify the whole fleet? I mean, I know that, you know, California is banning the sale of gas-powered cars, but ultimately there's two issues right now that I see before the full adoption of gas-powered cars in our economy. And that is, we have to solve the problem of replacing batteries. They have to be made more affordable because people on the lower, uh, lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum are never going to be able to afford to buy a new Tesla. And they right. can't afford to buy a used Tesla if the battery replacement is 20 grand. Right. You know, and for some right. models, it is that high. So are we any closer to making either better batteries less expensive batteries or any of that stuff? Where are we on that electric storage technology? It's, it's moving very quickly. So sometime around 2025, we will see the first cars that have a thousand mile range. Oh, wow. See, that's another big stumbling yeah. block. Still. And, then, and then the recharge time, that's, that's the other big thing. So if it can be recharged in 10 minutes, then that's like a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, get a thousand miles out of this and recharge in 10 minutes. Wow. It's, you know, it seems to me that I realize that there's a big push to be uh, completely carbon neutral and not use oil and gas, but it seems to me like hybrid technology would be a better way for a lot of people just on affordability because hybrids have come down dramatically in price over right. the last few years. They use technology that gives you more assurance that you're not going to run out of juice on the side of the road somewhere. And I feel like that would be more accessible than a pure electric car for a lot of people. It, it, the comfort level would be up. During this interim period, period, it does make a lot more sense. Yeah, but uh, I don't feel like we're making hybrids anymore. I feel like it, now it's the big push is just EVs and, and we're kind of looking at the hybrid technology as, as yesterday's news, but I think that's the thing that's going to make it so a lot of people can adopt this stuff. Well, especially people that are... Uh, a long ways away from recharge stations. Right. If you drive through Montana, North Dakota, uh, Wyoming, there's just no recharge stations there. Uh, so until that infrastructure gets built up, and it's it, there are people working on it very rapidly right now. Um, in fact, I think that's a great business. If somebody wants to, to go into some other business, they should start installing 
recharge stations because well, there's huge demand. It's really funny. You just said that because I was thinking this. I, I'm in a bout of insomnia where I get to wake up every day at four o'clock wide awake. So I'm doing my best thinking at four o'clock in the morning while I'm not getting out of bed. <laughs> remember back, you're old enough. You remember Howard Johnson's. Oh, so yeah. Howard Johnson's, the old roadside, you know, restaurants. Howard Johnson's got started because the 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 owner of Howard Johnson's would drive until he had to pee. And then he would get off the interstate. He would buy property and put a Howard Johnson's there. So okay. I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, we already know currently it takes, you know, a couple hours sometimes to recharge a battery, depending on the model, depending on how depleted it is, depending on what we're looking at, to the point you were making earlier about we needed to speed that up. But why aren't people specifically designing almost like a truck stop for electric cars where you come in and a big ring of charging stations around the outside, maybe even two rings of charging stations, but then give them something to do while they're waiting for it to charge. Put up your little Howard Johnson's, give them a pecan roll. It'll be fine. It's right. all good. Right. I, I actually think that that's a business opportunity where you specifically create a stop that is worth two hours of your time. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The I think that is happening, but it's not happening in a big way just yet. Well, I wonder with the popularity of these truck stops or big, big, you know, gas stations like Bucky's. Um, my friends in the South are insane for Bucky's. Have you ever heard of Bucky's? Haven't heard of that. One. Oh boy, it's like the Disney World of truck stops. Apparently, <laughs> they have like forty. Um, gas pump lanes, you know, so you can go and you can gas up, but they have a barbecue joint in there and it's a full store and people go to Bucky's like they're buying a ticket to go to Bucky's and that kind of thing. I'm thinking, why wouldn't Bucky's add in another ring of, of electric charging stations? And it may seem premature, but if you become known for that, then you're going to have people purposely planning their driving to come near your facility. If you know that a Bucky's or whatever is going to have this, this option, then you're going to plan accordingly. Right. The present truck stops are designed for middle-aged men. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're not kid-friendly. No. They're, they're not designed for women. No. And uh, it's not some place that you want to go hang out for a long time. They do have showers. Uh, a lot of them have showers. You can go in and... Uh, but it's not something that you feel comfortable just kicking back and relaxing. Right. Um, so so that's that's a whole different kind of environment. I mean, I would honestly put in some kind of movie theater that ran something on a loop. So yeah. if people came in, they could plop down, they could watch half an hour, they could do whatever, and then they could go about. I mean, I thought a lot about this uh, in my insomnia recently, so it's funny that you bring, <laughs> me that, bring that up now. But w what are we doing in terms of, and this isn't what we were going to talk about today. So Thomas is just, I'm, I'm throwing things at him willy nilly <laughs> right now. But one thing that I find very concerning is that the rare earth minerals that are used for batteries, China has pretty much bought up like 80% of that market. Are we heading towards another situation where we're going to be relying on a, on a geopolitical foe to, to make our economy work? Well, possibly because we, we haven't allowed the mining to happen in our own country. Uh, so, so we have rare earth mineral stores here. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, we have lots of things in Alaska. We have lots of things in our mountains here. Um, but uh, it's not economically feasible to mine those things here in the U.S. So we, we want to make it uh, another country's problem. So, and that's what my follow-up question was going to be. Is that because of the environmental impact? Is that because of the cost of labor? Why is it not economically feasible here? Um, all, all of the above. Uh, yeah. So, so making, making it more economically feasible here is, uh, 
um, we'd have to change lots of laws. We'd have to change lots of pollution laws. We'd have to change um, the the labor laws. We we there's just lots of things that come into play, and uh, we just don't like the messiness of yeah. of, um, of a mine uh, in the U.S. And so we like the messiness of Chinese communists controlling it somewhere else, but we just don't like the mess in the U S where we can <laughs> yeah. do it safely, where we value human rights. That's, right. that's the irony of the green lobby right there. Right. And so, and so we, we could do a lot of those things, uh, closer to home, but uh, we've cho chosen not to up to this point. It's going to be really interesting to see all that play out because I'm not kidding. Uh, when I say China, strategically, and, and I credit them for this. I, this is not even a criticism. It's just a statement of fact and jealousy. They have gone into various places in Central and South America and made huge investments in what I call soft diplomacy. They built a soccer stadium in Costa Rica. They're, they're giving money for arts in, in this country. And in the meantime, they've locked up the mineral rights for those, those countries. And I, I'm interested to see how those countries respond to some of those environmental issues that come from mining these yeah, minerals. So, so they've actually built entire cities in Africa just for Chinese investors. Oh, yeah. uh, so they can go over there and feel at home while, while they're watching their investments. And uh, in, in the U.S., we're, we're much more content to work on other things and, and keep our hands clean, so to speak. But I should also say that battery technology is changing very quickly. There are, there are so many innovations happening in, in that space that we don't have a good feel for what's going to take the lead 10 right. years from now. Um, and so it'll probably be a decision that Elon Musk makes and he's going to look at it and Before say... Before he goes back to his home planet. Yeah. I'm convinced Elon Musk is an alien. <laughs> I, I, you know what? And I, I say it jokingly, but I'm not kidding. I mean, he's... <laughs> He's, he's really too much for this planet. He truly is. The way his mind works is incredible to me. Yeah. Um, so th there's going to be a few companies that make major decisions on which battery they're going to go with. And that's going to change the, the direction that this whole industry is going to head to, towards. But I, th I find this to be such uh, a fascinating discussion area as, as all this emerging technology is coming out of the woodwork. Now, the Tesla trucks, the semis, are... are Semi-trucks. I didn't know he was making semi-trucks. Semi-trucks are going to hit the road in December. Driverless or with a driver? Uh, it'll be with a driver for the short term, but it'll be mostly driverless after that. Uh, PepsiCo is going to take um, the first order of these trucks. Um, these have taken a lot longer than he had promised. Uh, these trucks are going to take huge amounts of batteries. I was uh, going to say, to, to have that towing capacity, that hauling capacity, right. I mean, they must have, they're going to have to have like a battery block. Yeah, it's a massive uh, block of batteries on these trucks. And it'll be 440 charging uh, stations where they pull up and plug in. And uh, it's going to take huge amounts of energy. Now, the big thing that we're missing right now is we don't have a grid, right. a power grid that's designed to recharge all the electric vehicles that we want to create over the next few years. So what has to happen there? I mean, do we, is it just a matter of modernizing the grid or we have to create more energy to make all this work? We need to create more energy and we really need to revamp the entire grid. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done on that. Um, so we're, we're a long ways away from uh, kind of the ideal 
uh, situation for electric vehicles. Uh, so all of these things have to happen simultaneously, and we're working towards that. But in in the middle of all this is all the political turmoil that's that's causing lots of chaos. Not only that, I, I'm one of those people, and and I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am concerned that the pure electrification of society gives government a great amount of control over where we can go. Um, right now, in theory. If I have a combustion engine and something breaks, I can probably get most of the parts or, or have the machine to get that car back on the road and therefore I have the freedom to crank it up and go. In, a, in an electric society, I, I can't build a battery. I, you know, I mean, it gets very, very dicey. So I think there's, those concerns for me are significant and I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'll uh, probably always have a combustion engine car my, until I die. I will probably always own one. It may not be my primary form, of transportation, but I will always own one because that's how high my paranoia level is. So if you could summon a vehicle whenever you need one, would you do that? Yes, I would. Hold that thought because we are going to check on the news. Susan Witkin, I think, is out in the newsroom right now listening to this because it's so interesting. But she's come in now to tell us what's coming up in the news. We are visiting with Thomas Fry, our futurist. When we get back, we'll finish this conversation, and then we're going to talk about robot dogs they don't look cuddly. I'm just saying. Mm -mm. And, but they don't eat much. Yeah, that's true. A little and, oil and they here don't and there. Poop, and they don't poop. A little so, oil. Yeah. Um, and also, we're going to talk about those AI glasses and how how soon I, we can buy them. Is that what Thomas is wearing? No, he's just wearing the cool Thomas Fry specs. That's the Thomas Fry spec collection. You know what, Thomas? I'm I I want some of those cool. Yeah, specs. these have. You a, look like Sally Jesse Raphael if you wear red glasses. You these, know what? These have that's a special okay. prescription. I can actually see into the future with these. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Thomas. Futurist, you can find him at the Da Vinci Institute where he and his colleagues dig into all kinds of different sorts of things and try to predict the future. I mean, that's accurate, right? You have your crystal ball up there with all <laughs> yeah. kinds of engineering gear in it and stuff like that. Right. right before the break, we were wrapping up kind of our conversation and I cannot for the life of me remember what we were talking about at the end of the break. Dang it. Because we had a whole conversation on the break that you guys didn't hear that was really good. So if you know what we were talking about, hit the text line 56690. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's talk about two things. Number one, uh, I have a question from a listener that I think is a really good question, that I, the one that I asked you on the break. Um, and this is... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Could you ask, this from Carl, could you ask Mr. Fry about the natrium reactor that Terra Power is trying to build in Wyoming? The IFR reactor at the core of the project seems like it solves a lot of problems, but as soon as people hear nuclear, they start thinking of the boiling water reactors that have gone critical, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, Fukushima, and ignore how much zero emission power nuclear reactors currently put on the grid. So let's start at the beginning. What is he talking about with an IFR reactor as it compares to our traditional mindset of the big cooling towers, the traditional nuclear power that we think of? Yeah, there's a whole new group of, of nuclear reactors that are coming out right now that are very small, tiny 
uh, self-contained units. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not up to date on this particular one that's going into Wyoming, but there's this, there's this whole new breed of reactors that are, uh, they're enclosed in concrete and they just set them out there and they turn them on and let them go until they die. And then they're fully encased when, when they're, they'll probably go for a hundred years. But how do you get, how do, I mean, are there, why, this is such a dumb question, but do you have wires that go into the concrete? How well, do you right. get the power out? Right. I mean, you have the, you have the uh, contacts there. Right. That, that you wired in. How did they stay cool though? Why is, how does one nuclear reactor require so much cooling and then this one doesn't? How does that work? They're, they're, they operate on an entirely different principle. Okay. And I didn't want to go into all the detail on that, but these self-contained ones just seem like uh, the direction that we should be heading. Although there's, um, in the U.S., we have too many rules against nuclear so that there's just not any um, favorable public opinion that would actually push us in that direction. And it's all emotion-based. It is. It, it and is. that's what's so frustrating. And and this is why I urge people, please don't make policy decisions based on emotion, but that's exactly where we are yeah, with nuclear technology. It's all a result of one movie, which was the China Syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and the day after. Yeah. The day and, after really encouraged that in the 80s. I mean, it really reinforced that notion that we're all going to die if we have nuclear power. Right. So as a result of a couple movies in Hollywood it's changed the entire energy landscape. And, well, and so if we're going to have nuclear, it's going to start in some other country first. But it and, is. Like France, a few years ago, I think they've closed a couple of nuclear reactors for some godforsaken reason, but they were at like 80% of their power generation was coming from nuclear. Right. And, and now we've got, here's my beef with environmentalists, and, and this is an entirely political statement. It's as if... They want us to be forced to rely on people who hate us for our energy sources. Because if we were truly a nuclear nation, we would be energy independent in a way that we have never been energy independent in a very long time, where we could say, we don't need anybody else. We are self-contained. We can do all of this stuff. We can electrify the grid. We can electrify all the cars using this technology. Do you think that would push us to nuclear if we run into the problems we were talking about in the last segment of not having a grid and not being able to generate enough power for all these electric cars. Yeah, the the question boils down to how many people have actually died from nuclear power accidents other than Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl is more of a military application, but outside of Chernobyl, the number of people that have actually died from nuclear accidents comes in around eight. The eight. Eight. I bet you more people have been killed by wind turbines. And I'm, I'm not being facetious. I oh, mean, they absolutely have. Yeah. I, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're misled on what the actual um, downside is of nuclear power. Well, it doesn't help that Homer Simpson works at a nuclear power plant. So that's a big <laughs> problem as well. Okay. So let me, oh, we were discussing self-driving semis from Tesla. That's what we were talking about. But someone else has a question that I want to hit on. And then we're going to talk about glasses and cars. Ask the futurist where we go after we use up the resources for batteries. Do we go back to carbon fuels? Is that kind of what you were talking about, that we may be moving away from those rare earth minerals at some point? That's that's entirely possible. The research that's being done on batteries is just staggering right now. Yeah, it, virtually every day there's some new breakthrough that's being announced. Uh, this this lab in this university has come up with this battery that'll last 
uh, a million miles and can be recharged in five minutes, that, that sort of thing. And we're hearing this again and again and again. And so it's, it's a matter of actually uh, giving these a rigorous test and actually figuring out what's actually going to make it in, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Now, the trouble with all of this research that happens in universities is it's really difficult to take that uh, that technology and marry it up with a real durable entrepreneur that can actually bring it to market. That's that's a real struggle to actually find those unique individuals that can can weather the storms of being an entrepreneur. Right. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Um, let's talk for a second about robotic dogs because I will tell you the first robotic dogs have come out and they're scary as all hell, right? I mean, <laughs> they're creepy looking. They don't have cute dog faces. Are we going to get to a point where instead of having my oh, fluffy, a lov- lovable dog, I'm going to have some little mechanical thing? What is, what is, what, what when, yeah. why? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> at the Da Vinci Institute, we've developed this course called Future Like a Boss. It's going to come out next, next month. And uh, so those of you who want to get on our newsletter list for when this comes out, just go to futurelikeaboss.com and put your email address in there. Uh, but <clears throat> one of the techniques that we, we teach in there, we're teaching some of these extreme futuring techniques. And one of them is uh, uh, question mapping. And so when we, we take something like robotic dogs and we start asking a lot of questions surrounding this technology, it gives us some really interesting insights. So let's, let's take, for example, just a simple scenario of you're going to take your robotic dog for a walk someday. And so then you, you decide, what's the purpose of this dog? What's the purpose? Is it to detect danger? What kind of danger is it detecting? And how is it responding to this danger? And then you start asking more questions. Why a robotic dog? Why not a robotic cat or sure. a robotic uh, bird? or Lemur. Robotic? I'd like a robotic <laughs> lemur. That Le- would be lemur. mine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and would you feel safe swimming with robotic dolphins? Um, but I don't feel safe swimming with real <laughs> dolphins. I've actually had that experience, and they're scary as hell. So yeah, a robotic <laughs> dolphin might be a, a, a better option. Um, but then once a robotic dog detects danger, how does it react? Does it bare its teeth? Does it start growling? Uh, does it bark at something uh, or does it do things more non-traditionally? Do we talk back and forth to our robotic dog? I want my robotic dog's head to spin around and put an evil face forward when something <laughs> bad happens. So there's no question that my robotic dog is coming to kill you. But, but is this one of those things? And I always ask the question, like, what needs does this fulfill? Are we willing? Because honestly, I have a St. Bernard and she is like the biggest, fluffiest, loviest dog. And I just cannot imagine feeling that way about a robotic dog, the way I feel about my real dog. Right. Yeah. So if if you were in a business, let's say you were a car dealership, having a robotic dog prowling around at night, making sure that nobody was screwing around. Well, then you could cars. use the terrifying ones that don't look like real dogs. So <laughs> that would be a perfect job for the terrifying fake dogs. Yeah. So there, there's lots of interesting applications for robotic dogs. And then you, then you ask, does the right to bear arms give us the right to own a robotic dog that's armed? Uh, can we? Put- I would not trust my St. Bernard with a firearm. I'm just going to let you know on that. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say no on that one. 
So is the military going to go down this path of using robotic dogs to go into combat? But don't you think that's the future of, of combat eventually is that it will all be robotic? It'll be robotic dogs. It'll be robotic fighters. It'll be drones. We'll get to the point where as an advanced society, if we go to war against someone who is not as advanced, there won't be a soldier dead on our side. And yeah. that, that's like one of those, is that a fair fight? Is, is right. that, you know, is that a fair way to have a war? I say yes, because my side would win. So, so then if we can arm these things, can they be used offensively? Can we use a robotic dog to go in and take out a dictator, to go out and take out some prime minister or president somewhere? But their head has to spin around and be evil right before they bite <laughs> them or shoot them or whatever. You got to let them know it's coming. Those are, those are interesting applications. And I know that because in, you know, in, in the modern era, we have had lots of toy animals that are not real. I mean, my daughter yeah. had one when she was really little and you could walk it on a leash and it would sit on command and you could give it treats and it would poop. I mean, it was a little robotic dog, but the novelty wore off for her after about 10 minutes. You know, it was like, okay, this is kind of dull. So maybe there's a market for robotic pets from people who either have allergies or they can't have, or they don't want the responsibility of a real dog. You know, but they want so, that kind of affectionate companionship. So let's let's go down that path. For healthcare, having a, a robotic companion, uh, a blind person having a robotic yeah. dog that could guide them uh, down the street if they wanted to go shopping or something. Um, that that seems like a good uh, application for people that are in uh, nursing homes. I um, fully expect to be cared for by robots by the time I am elderly. I am not kidding. I mean, I'm 53 years old now. I'm hoping not to need care for another 40 years. I fully expect to have robotic help. And I think that that is going to be a massive blessing, massive blessing. If you could program compassion, you could program someone who could uh, talk to me. And even though that robot may be brand new, they can have a long conversation with me about the movies of John Hughes from the 1980s. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, because old people are suffering from a huge, huge amount of loneliness. Right. So if you could create a companion that was not only going to be there, but be able to talk in their decade, talk in their language of their age, that would be, I think, a game changer in terms of having a happy life as you age so so your robotic dog becomes your buddy bot then oh yeah uh you talk back and forth to it it becomes your best friend it's your guardian it's your protector it becomes your cheerleader uh it protects your privacy among other things um and if you're feeling lonely it can start to purr like uh, a cat or it can actually make make sounds make feel feel like you're yeah. not alone uh, I think so, that's outstanding. I, I'm. I got to tell you, I'm. I'm. I'm down with that. Mark me down with that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I. I love that idea. I just. I've been around older people enough in the last twenty years to know that I think the number one issue for, and I'm talking about very elderly people who can't get around very often, is loneliness. And right. this, for me, I just think I would have loved to have had something like this when my mother-in-law was still alive. I, I would have loved to have that option for her when she was essentially homebound at the end of her life. Yeah, there's there's a, a Black Mirror episode called Metalhead uh, that is one of the scariest episodes you've ever seen. 
And it, it involves- Is it going to freak me out and not want my caregivers to be robots? Because I'm not watching it if that's the case. <laughs> kind of looking forward to this right now. You're going to second guess the entire future when you see this. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> like, I don't already do that already. Thanks, yeah. Thomas. It starts off going downhill and then fizzles all together. So, <laughs> Well, I feel, I feel like, especially with robotic dogs, that Honda has been working on this for like 25 years. I remember seeing their first- robotic dog and it moved but it moved stiffly and compared to now where they are now where they can command it to go into play position and it drops down into a very natural looking play position even though it has no face yeah. this is what i want to say to honda can you give me a face yeah can the, you give me a cute little face with some ears that would make it much less disconcerting yeah the most advanced robots right now are boston dynamics yeah now boston dynamics is actually owned by hyundai in korea hyundai or honda hyundai okay yeah, so they are they're they're working on next generation. They're the ones that just had the thing of all the robots together, of all the robot dogs following it would that scared the crap out of me, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it looked like a robot army of dogs. And they all moved in exact they they moved at exactly the same time in exactly right. the same way. It was Yeah. That was a little creepy, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they may be taking that army to North Korea. We'll what, see. What comes first? <laughs> On this, like when we're talking about robotic dogs, where's the first application going to come? Well, uh, that's a great question. I mean, for me, I think the military application probably makes the most sense because the military has the money to blow on it, first of all. Right. And they have the use for it. But then police officers, instead of having canines, you know. Yeah, and go, robotic dogs going into a burning building. Yeah. Um, actually going into a situation where uh, people have there's gunfire going on. Um, yeah, the dogs can go in there and not worry about any of that. Um, so those are those are some early applications. Um, I would I would suspect that uh, security organizations would be using mm -hmm. these for uh, corporate security. Um, uh, I I think that uh, people are going to want to have these uh, just as for the novelty. But I don't think we're ready for that. I think there's going to be a lot of applications in healthcare that is going to come along. That um, there, there's huge amounts of money in healthcare right now that uh, could use this for everything from uh, a talking partner to uh, um, something that actually does scans on your body and uh, listens. Like Big to Hero Six. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you rate your healthcare today? And you well, when I get my robotic dog, I've already decided I'm going to name it Mr. Peabody um, from Mr. Peabody and Sherman because it's going to be the smartest dog ever. So I'm planning for it and I hope it doesn't eat my face. Thomas Fry, this hour just went so fast. I cannot believe that we're done. Yeah. Uh, but we will talk to you again next month. And thank you for bringing the future to our listeners here, right here on the Mandy Connell Show. You guys can find a link for Thomas. He has the nerdiest, like super smart podcast you've ever heard. You can get to that all at the Da Vinci Institute website. You can find all the information. And if you'd like him to come and speak to your organization, your your company, you can reach him there as well. So Thomas, a joy to see you in the, in person. Well, this has been great. It Thanks. has been great. Thank you so much. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.